Welcome to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast, your guide to good food, good health, and a good life. And now, here's your host, Nutrition Network Advisor and author of the Nourishment Mindset, Dixie Huey. Happy Transformation Tuesday, y'all. Welcome to or back to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast, where we are on a metabolic mission to reverse chronic lifestyle conditions and achieve vitality through real whole foods and the pleasures of the table. Today, I have a special guest here. His name is Aaron Williams. And Aaron and I met, oh my goodness, uh, we might go back almost 20 years, uh, maybe not <laughs> quite that far, uh, but we worked together on a number of projects in the wine industry. And tell me if I've got the chronological order right, Aaron, did we meet at Oregon Olive Mill? I think that was the first time that we met. You were, I, I believe, focusing on uh, PR, not just PR, but marketing, maybe a whole rebrand for the organization I was working for the Durants at that time, uh, which I learned a lot there. I was actually listening to one of your um, shows recently, and you were talking about kind of olive oil and, and the differences between some seed oils and, and oh, different yes. processing methods. And I was just thinking back to all the things that I learned there, and some of them were from you. So yeah, I think that was the first time we met. Yes. And I, I loved this y'all. If you're ever in Oregon or if you just want to buy some awesome domestic olive oil, Oregon olive mill. And now I believe they're just Durant's. They've done a whole nother rebrand, but anywho, their, their olive oil is beautiful. And um, so that's how Aaron and I met. And um, speaking of olive oil, you are still involved in olive oil. So tell us about that, Aaron. Yeah, I'd love to. So yeah, and you were right. They did. Um, they're just Durant, Oregon now. Definitely a great place to go. I'd recommend. And that is where I sort of cut my teeth with um, with olive oil. I uh, I'm Italian, so I've always it's always been part of the family cuisine. Uh, I've been aware of of quality olive oil, but I really didn't know what that meant. And working at Durant, um, that's when it all started to kind of sink in and. You know, I think we were, one of the things I did was read that book, uh, Extra Virginity, yes. and I, awesome. it, which was amazing, and uh, was learning from mm -hmm. all of the folks that I was working with, and uh, and Paul, and really just sunk in that, and, and that was one of the first moments for me where I recognized how the quality of ingredients and uh, how things are processed really matters, and so um, I just sort of fell in love with the concept of you know like fresh pressed olive oil and um and really started to understand like the differences between extra virgin and more mass-produced olive oils and could really taste and feel the difference and so i you know became pretty passionate about it and back then i had this idea in my head um i'm, I'm originally from santa cruz california and uh cannabis has always been a part of my you know, the culture growing up and um, a part of my world. And I, you know, so I've always kind of seen it as as medicine and a way to help heal my body. Although I think in my early days, I didn't recognize how much of that 
was going on um, until, you know, kind of post uh, collegiate athletics. And so, um, and, and that was at that time that I was working at Duran and sort of falling in love with fine food, fine wine and olive oil. Um, and the idea of blending the two uh, kind of came to me when I was in that job. And so fast forward to today, uh, yeah, we have Fenders Blue, Hemp is our is our company. And um, so we grow um, organic, certified organic uh, hemp and process it. And uh, right now we have in, ingestible products. We have a few products in our lineup and uh, a blend of hemp extract and extra virgin olive oil is one of them. So kind of just yes. a fun unique way to get it into your system. Ooh, my oh, weird there it is. screen is sort of making it, if y'all are watching this on YouTube, there we go. Thank you. Here's, yes. I have my back screen here, but my yes. My camera is just delicious. okay, but. <laughs> no, I have gotten to taste this. So we'll get to that. Um, but I want to go into a part of your story that is fascinating to me because I've been a, a lifelong athlete and I've had my share of injuries, surgeries, that sort of thing. Um, my understanding is that you had 10 surgeries post-college football and hemp helped you. So y'all, this isn't just West Coast hippie shit. This is like, <laughs> this is 100%. the real deal, but I don't know anything about hemp, right? I, I did a little bit of, you know, in college or whatever, but, um, and maybe after, um, but how is this healing? You know, I, I thought it was for partying, but hemp is not for partying. <laughs> this is different. So tell us your story there. Yeah, thank you so much. So um, I, I love the way you kind of set up the question there as well. I mean, there there's definitely a recreational component to uh, cannabis in general. And when I say cannabis as well, that is, I, I like to use wine as the uh, analogy here so we Ooh, goody. You know, yeah you know um, you know vitis vinifera is the species of wine grapes and within that there are thousands of different wine grape varieties and so for cannabis it's cannabis sativa and uh, what we call hemp um, you kind of think of like maybe hemp production for paper textiles that kind of hemp uh, okay. that is still within the family um, although those are different kind of uh, varieties that you would grow for those kinds of uh, output products. Uh, but we kind of use the term hemp and, and really it kind of comes back to the government as well and regulation that uh, hemp is anything that is classified as hemp um, per our regulations is flour, cannabis sativa flour uh, that is at harvest less than 0.3% THC by dry okay. weight. And so so really, um, again, going back to the wine grape analogy, uh, we we know we have the species of wine grapes, but then within that, there's Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, um, Cabernet, whatever variety you can think of. At harvest, those uh, they have different chemical compositions, right? Um, even to the point where you know the skins are different colors, and and we know how that affects the wine that we drink. So um, you know, going back to to hemp cannabis. Uh, sativa within that there are varieties that at harvest will um, chemically have really low concentrations of THC and high okay. concentrations of CBD. Um, and so what we're growing is hemp for CBD uh, production and 
there again within that there you can grow plants that are high in thc or a combination there's really a ton of them and maybe if you go into a recreational store you hear a lot of the names that they uh, associate with them which are usually pretty creative west coast hippie style names like yeah. a blue dream or something like that um but the interesting thing kind of like uh wine grapes is that you can take the same plant material and put it in different environments that it's growing and feed it different things and and end up with uh you know something at least slightly different at harvest and so interesting uh, yeah very much so uh, you'll you'll see commonalities like you would with uh and this is true in the wine world as well you give two vineyard uh managers and winemakers the same pinot noir you put it in a uh, different landscape and then you process it a little bit differently there might be some similarities in those wines that you're tasting but um but they're still both pretty you know they're both pinot noir you could tell they're the same variety so uh same is kind of true in in cannabis and so so yeah and then going back to my story personally i um yeah played college football and in high school it was um football basketball and track and uh during my at, at least from my experience i I worked really hard. That was my thing. Like I, I wanted to play sports professionally and I thought that the way to get there was to work as, as hard as humanly possible. Mm. And so I, I, I like to tell the story that, um, or give an example that I mean, my senior year of high school I was getting prepared to play college football and I would get off, um, at noon cause I planned my schedule that way. I got a lot of my classes done in junior year or whatever. And so I, would get off at noon and then I would power lift for uh, a few hours Ooh, and then hours. yeah and then I would go to basketball practice uh, sometimes with a little jog in between I go to basketball practice that'd be three hours and then uh, if I really felt like I was in for some more I would go to the local uh, courts uh, asphalt courts and play um, you know pick up basketball with some friends or, or whoever's around uh, and, you know, looking back on that, it, one, I just think it's amazing that the human body, especially a young one can do those kinds of things, <laughs> uh, and subject itself to that much, uh, work. Uh, and then two, it's just, it's clear as day that I definitely, you know, overworked myself in a lot of ways. And, and then with that as well, I ended up going on to, uh, play, you know, physical game in college and, and, would still carry that kind of work ethic uh, through um, and maybe lack of awareness of rest and how important rest is. And, uh, and at that time too, maybe how important food is. And, right. uh, and I definitely got a lot of calories in, that's what we were taught to do, but uh, maybe they, you know, the whole diet, the diet as a whole wasn't as nutritious as it could have been. Um, and definitely had some processed foods that, I was consuming at that time. And so I really just wore my body down and, and then there's the, you know, the component of the sport being um, pretty physical in nature. So I had a few, you know, um, injuries in game uh, or in mm -hmm. play uh, from freak, you know, kind of accidents. And um, yeah. And so it resulted in 10 surgeries uh, to date. Mm -hmm. And my, my most recent was uh, back in December of, Wow. Um, I guess December of 2021. So I'm over a year out of, of that one. And I have this unique thing called thoracic outlet syndrome. And so 
between your first rib and your collarbone, you have um, some veins and nerves that go through that thoracic outlet. And when you have this uh, syndrome, uh, it basically means that that gap is just too small. And so uh, there's some pinching that happens on those uh, nerves okay. and veins. And uh, what happened to me, and this doesn't necessarily happen to everyone, but um, it created some DVTs or blood clots in my arm. And oh. yeah, so a little you know, dangerous, of course. And uh, the the diagnosis and then process after that was to um, have a couple of surgeries to try to save the vein, clean it out, uh, as well as remove my first rib. And whenever whenever I say that, people think, you know, like they think of a big rib, you know, of your rib cage getting removed. It's it's definitely a significant thing to have the rib that I had removed, but it is your first rib, the one that kind of is floats a little bit at the top, okay. doesn't necessarily wrap all the way around. Um, bad analogy for for a food podcast but it kind of looks like a little pork spare rib i was thinking was it a cow ribs a pork rib okay. yeah yeah so it's it's a good chunk of bone yeah. and um you know they kind of like pull it out uh, under my armpit anyway getting a little too graphic oh. here but um but i ended up having some complications when that happened the first time and then i had to ha have it done the second time had some complications as well but um uh, all in all, I ended up having to get uh, several um, chest tubes because of, and I'll spare you the details, things that happened, but what um, my previous injuries and definitely the, that experience, those experiences led to a lot of uh, stiffness, um, scar tissue, like muscle damage, um, all sorts of things that you can think of when, you know, tubes are being shoved in me and um, you know, I'm getting surgery on my hip, my knee, because I've torn cartilage and uh, torn ligaments and all, all sorts of stuff. So definitely live with chronic pain. And for me, I never, um, in all of those surgery experiences, I had every, you know, pain medicine you could think of uh, prescribed yeah. to me and always felt uh, awful on those medicines. I mean, they, they, you know, they work, they're necessary in a surgery setting, of course. I mean, the cocktail that you look, list that you look at uh, for what went into you, like pre-surgery with the anesthesia and everything is um, is pretty robust. But uh, but obviously you need that when you're going under the knife. But yeah, I just felt, um, you know, felt awful on those medicines. It's always been hard for me to recover from surgeries, especially if, if I've had a few more or I mean, especially the latter ones, you know, just one after right. another um, body just really gets broken down. And, you know, I don't have any scientific data behind this, but I know that, you know, the system is pretty well um, sanitized during the surgery process. And that's definitely affected my gut microbiome. And oh, um, yes. so it's, it's just felt like a, you know, a long road to recovery and, um, and it continues and uh, will be many, many more years. I plan to dedicate the rest of my life to, um, you know, really what I'm putting in my body uh, matters so much. So, so it's nutrition, uh, it's the way that I move. Um, and, and then, yeah, I like cannabis and, and CBD in particular plays a, a, a huge role for me as, as a way to help um, with some of that stiffness and pain, uh, reducing inflammation. And so uh, that's been, that's been my experience with it. And 
uh, one of my last wine jobs, I was working um, for Linfield University and uh, they're starting a wine education program and uh, amazing experience. Uh, and towards the end of it, we, we had um, recruited a world-class uh, professor and climatologist, a guy named Greg Jones, and got a good donation. I felt like the program was in a really good spot. And I also always had this kind of entrepreneurial itch and at the same time was sort of experimenting with making uh, pain and inflammation reducing, you know, salves and stuff at home. And wow. yeah, and so that's kind of where it all started for me. And then um, fast forward a few years and uh, it was projected that the um, with the 2018 farm bill uh, that the production of hemp for CBD was going to be legalized. And all this was kind of happening all at once. And so I thought, well, let's jump in and try to do this. And so, so we uh, started a little farming operation, all certified organic. We were actually one of the first certified organic hemp farms in the country. And, um, wow. and then my goal was to get, <laughs> yeah, it's been really, it's been a whirlwind for sure. Um, and then my goal was to get to the point where we had some retail products because I had this sort of uh, farm to wellness. And I think Love when, that. Uh, yeah, like when you were uh, in the fine food world, like in the trenches doing, you know, marketing and PR and everything that you did, I know that's probably um, not all encompassing the way I said it, but, um, you know, farm to table was really something that was on everyone's minds because of, I mean, exactly what you do, Dixie, is is educate people on ingredients that are produced mindfully that, um, you know, don't have harmful chemicals and and things that really shut down some of our, our systems and affect us negatively. And so uh, it was then where, um, you know, that idea of, well, it's not just food, it's the other things that we consume as well that um, are important. And so I just... I just had that in my mindset that I really wanted to um, produce a product that didn't deal in any of that. It was just as natural as possible. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's where we are today. I could keep, definitely keep talking about it for it's so awesome. I, um, I love the story. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, right? There's no PR person that can come up with this. This is the real deal. So um, how has, hemp and CBD in particular helped you? It, is it like, you know, and I, you could go on the physiological route, you could just go on the psychological route or just what you physically feel. But I'm just curious, is like, is it because it enables you to relax and then inflammation sort of deflates? So like what is actually happening inside yeah, the body? It's a great question. So um, we have something called the endocannabinoid system. And it was actually uh, discovered originally by some Israeli uh, researchers uh, through cannabis research. And so um, it's one of the, I guess, if not the largest intracellular communication networks that we have in our body. Um, we produce cannabinoids ourselves. They're kind of like signaling mo molecules. Um, and then there are... Um, exocannabinoids, so endo meaning inside, uh, exo anything outside the body. Thank and, you. Yeah, of course. And um, we, um, so in the plant world, there are tons of cannabinoids uh, everywhere. And so sometimes we call them phytocannabinoids. And 
within the the hemp or cannabis plant. So THC, the the cannabinoid most known for you know mental intoxication. Um, party time. The, yeah, psychotropic effects. Yeah, the party time that you were talking about, the more recreational. Um, however, I do use that as medicine as well. Um, I actually find some really um, powerful like muscle relaxation benefits from THC. Um, and then when you couple that with uh, movement, it can be pretty powerful. Uh, and then there's a spiritual element to it as well. Uh, but CBD is another cannabinoid. There are hundreds or ones we haven't even named or you really discovered their effects at this point. Um, CBN is a popular one that we found helps aid in sleep. Um, mm. I, I'm always careful to make um, uh, claims as well because... Sure. This is uh, an industry that is um, pending more regulation. Regulation, and actually, as a um, as an operator, that you know, we pride ourselves on doing everything um, to regulatory to a T. Um, not everyone, as you can imagine, uh, does, but we we actually are often wanting more um, regulation and clarity around some of the gray areas in the industry. But that's uh, a little bit of a tangent. Going back to your your question, um, those cannabinoids and CBD I found was really powerful in reducing inflammation. So um, it, as it you know enters the body, it's it's signaling um, in you know all throughout to have that effect. And uh, I find you know power in using it topic topically as well as ingesting it. And so um, that's kind of what's going on and you know anecdotally it was just something that was really working for me when i wanted to not be on pain pills really in a lot of pain every day uh and dealing with a lot of that uh post-surgery recovery it was uh it was amazing what i was noticing i my knee would be swollen and uh because i had injured it um or like kind of tweaked it after a few years after my knee surgery and it ballooned up and I was putting on my homemade salve and there are other great essential oils and other plant, you know, plant-based um, ingredients that uh, were in that, that also had anti-inflammatory effects as well. And uh, I would put it on and, um, you know, the next day I would see a noticeable difference and it would feel better. And so wow. that was really what it, yeah, it started to experience the the benefits. And so, um so yeah, that's kind of what's what's going on um, in the body. There's a lot of research going on now as well that it's been uh, legalized. Not not everyone's ready to jump on the uh, research train, but that's something we're really looking forward to as more and more research comes out about the you know other ways that certain cannabinoids are binding to these um, receptors throughout our body. So if any of y'all listeners in the beginning of this episode we're like oh boy here's some west coast pothead from santa cruz i think aaron you have shown us <laughs> that uh. this you know people have preconceived notions of things and that's why i was so excited uh to talk to you because you know as i said i don't know anything about this it's fascinating to me but here's what i'm thinking as you're describing your homemade salves like you're a modern day medicine man, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's so cool, right? That's A. B, I can't help but ask this question. 
So in our world, you have surgery, you're recovering, you're popping the pain pills. I mean, I've had hip surgery. I needed some pain pills. I, I too, I hate, they have such awful psychological effects on me. You know, my pain pill was drinking Pinot Noir. I, I, I did two days of that post hip surgery, the <laughs> pain pills. And I was like, I can't like, anyway, won't go into those details. However, <laughs> what I want to ask you is because we accept pharmacology, does anyone give you shit for this? Do you, I mean, I know you're in Oregon, so people are more progressive and maybe relaxed about it, but have you had pushback? It's a great question. I would say most people are curious. Uh, there's a whole host of folks, like you said, especially being on the West Coast, that are um, very into it naturally. It's been a part of their world. Um, they're not scared of it. Um you know, it's kind of takes you back all the way to prohibition, um, which lasted many years and decades. And, you know, this was a crop that was widely um, planted and uh, used for paper. I think the constitution was printed on hemp paper, which again, Did different, not know that. <laughs> <laughs> different varieties. George Washington had, a, you know, a lot of hemp uh, that he was growing. Um, and really I, you know, um, I think it was some lobbying against the hemp industry um, from mm. pa from uh, timber, I think for paper and uh, plastics industry as well, because it was, a, it's a really, it's amazing plants for not just for cannabinoids, which are coming from the flower of the plant, um, whereas a lot of textiles are coming from the stalks uh, mm. of the plant. And so different varieties you would grow for the kind of stocky elements. So anyway, um, with that prohibition and sort of the lobbying against what it ended up being kind of a campaign that they um, was built around racism and, um, you know, scary people of color that were smoking um, this substance and, and the dangerous to be around, right? That was a lot of what you saw, um, which as you can imagine, fast forwarding to today, that is no wonder people are afraid of the plant, right? Yeah. Um, Sounds like a massive and, PR campaign. It, it does. It does, as you know. Um, and also, um, to be fair, because THC has a the psychoactive component, um, you know, I have met plenty of people that have had negative experiences with it. Sure. Um, and, and I think, you know, that comes down to... Um, you know, maybe consuming too much of it or, you know, being in the wrong setting with the wrong people that, you know, that can happen just like you can drink too much alcohol, right. And have no. a negative experience, right. <laughs> Not at all possible. Right. Um, but I mean, you take like, you know, um, having a glass of wine, red wine in moderation being something that's good for you um, to, to a lot of people. Um, I, I kind of have the same approach. Uh, mindset with THC um, when sense. it's used intentionally uh, it can be very helpful and and so and you you kind of touched on this before I feel like a glass of Pinot Noir is and and wine is um, uh, can be a wellness tool when used thoughtfully as well so so anyway yeah it's uh, um, I, I've I, you get the gut reaction sometimes oh you grow pot uh, but most people are just kind and curious about it I would say. Well, good, good. Um, so the name, Fender's Blue, what does that mean? It's not a car fender. 
Yes. Um, yeah, I, sometimes I use a guitar as, uh, you know, if Fender yeah. likes a guitar. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so we, um, our very first uh, grow site um, partnered with um, a colleague that was, uh, had some extra land that, that also grew grapes. And uh, he, next to, he, he and, um, and, and a local organization did this really great work to preserve uh, an endemic butterfly to the Willamette Valley. It's called the Fender's Blue Butterfly uh, and was thought to be extinct at one point, but um, was actually found um, and brought back to life with work, uh, great work of, of people um, like Die Crisp and uh, folks at the Institute for Applied Ecology. And, uh, and so right next to this, um, uh, field where we were growing uh, was this hillside that was protected with uh, the Kincaid's Lupin, which is the host plant for the Fender's Blue Butterfly. And so it was kind of our neighbor and like mascot. And we just thought, why not name it after the butterfly? Because it kind of connects to our story. It also connects to the idea of why uh, not just for humans and, and producing products that we're going to be consuming and we want those to be natural and um, organic, but also why you'd want to farm organically and thoughtfully for the biodiversity around the farm as well. So um, it just kind of all made sense and, and uh, you know, was something that we felt really good about being the kind of the mini face of the brand. I love it. Bravo. This former marketer. <laughs> that just ties it. The story is there that y'all, the packaging is beautiful, but because, you know, we're, we're both foodies and whinies, um, it wouldn't be right to just talk about the packaging and the story. What I'm holding here, this Fender's Blue Farm to Wellness. Now help me, this is not an olive variety that I'm familiar with from my work with um, Durant. Is it Arbosana? Yeah, perfect. Yep. Okay. So when... I enjoy this and I do shoot olive oil. I do recommend the book that Aaron mentioned, Extra Virginity. Sounds a little saucy, um, <laughs> but it's it's phenomenal. Even if you know, you're know you not super obsessed with olive oil like we are, but it's this beautiful kind of golden buttery, just awesome fruitiness, but I can definitely taste. So what am I tasting? Is it CBD is it hemp like you said it's the flower that we're using so that it's it's like olive oil infused with you tell us yes uh so um there are a bunch of different ways you can uh process uh cannabis flour or hemp flour and so we use a um a process called um CO2 supercritical uh where we take dried hemp flour so we've grown it we've uh, hand harvested the the flour and and then we've dried it um, kind of in a gentle drying process. We did uh, hang drying for uh, most of what we do, and then hmm. um, what we'll do is then um, grind it up and then put it into um, stainless steel canisters that then CO2 uh, goes into, and wow. with time, pressure, and temperature the CO2 becomes super critical. So this is a method that's been around for um, many years. It's a very safe and um, um, very clean way to process botanicals. And so, um, yeah, with time, pressure, and temperature, the um, 
CO2 it becomes super critical where it's a gas and a, a liquid at the same time. And, and so it helps kind of like penetrate the plant and extract um, and, and you can adjust the settings to what you're trying to extract. And so we do kind of a, I would, I like to equate it to like extra virgin olive oil processing um, where we do kind of like a low and slow gentle kind of processing of it. And we're trying to preserve like the natural um, precursor to CBD, CBDA, CBD, all the, uh, as much of the terpenes as we can as well. So uh, probably what you're tasting is some of those terpenes, um, okay. uh, which are like basically like smell molecules. They're in um, everything. And so they also have therapeutic benefits themselves. And so, um, so yeah, so we make that hemp extract as I call it. And, and then we just uh, blend that into the extra virgin olive oil. You'll notice that it doesn't say extra virgin on the front because um, I learned that uh, anytime you add anything to extra oh. virgin olive oil, it's technically not extra virgin olive oil anymore. Good to uh, know. It is, but right. it isn't. It is, but it isn't exactly. Uh, and so, so we just uh, gently blend it in mechanically uh, and, and then, um, and yeah, and then bottle it up. And that's all it is, is just those two ingredients, both certified organic. And um, we say, use it as a finishing oil. Uh, it's because of its quality, any quality olive oil, um, you certainly can uh, cook with it. And if your budget allows, I mean, use the best quality olive oil for when you're cooking as well. Uh, but uh, typically if, um, you know, you're consuming extra virgin olive oil, really good extra virgin olive oil, uh, consuming it raw, so to speak, is the best way to, like you said, just shoot it, uh, pour it over the, the your meal after you've cooked it. Uh, and so that's pretty much what we do. And and yeah, you're tasting some of the hemp in there as well. And so uh, high CBD, high CBDA, and um, and all the goodness that comes with the olive oil. So um, yeah, I'm glad you like it. I love it. it. I do. I love it. You also sent me this turmeric paste and my husband yes. cooked some vegetables in this. Oh my gosh. Oh. This stuff, I can spoon this. Like, this is a little bit strange. I can spoon this and just enjoy it. It would pair beautifully with Sauvignon Blanc. But I have to ask you, you, when yes. we serve these vegetables and the salad to my kid, do we get our kid high? <laughs> um, it's a great question. So you notice on there <laughs> as well that uh, it says full spectrum. So anytime you see full spectrum, uh, that means that what we're doing in in the vein of not trying to process, you know, further, right? The minimal processing, kind of like extra virgin olive oil is what we're trying to do. Uh, and we certainly could take out that natural low volume of THC that's in it, um, but we choose not to because we lose other elements when we do that post-processing, okay. other, uh, some of the terpenes, some of the other cannabinoids. And so, the more you can keep that original um, extract from the CBD intact, um, the, the better. And so that's why we do full spectrum. You will see other CBD products out there that are made from like a CBD isolate where you can extract to the point where you have a CBD powder, essentially that's 99.9% .9 the CBD molecule. Um, and those are great products as well. Uh, but what I found is that the less you process, the better it works for me. And so that's, uh, that's why we do it that way. And so I do always say like, you know, uh, figure out what works best for you in terms of um, uh, dosing and, and consumption. 
you tend to get, yeah, uh, relaxed, um, is the anti-inflammatory benefits, muscle relax relaxation. I also wasn't my intention to originally uh, consume cannabis for and hemp and CBD for this purpose, uh, but I do get the calming kind of anti-anxiety effects, aids in sleep for me as well. And especially with the pain, I think there's maybe something going on with all of that, right? Uh, but anyway, you... Um, no, I don't think your kids are necessarily getting high from, you know, uh, just a normal amount, but I would say don't let them drink the whole bottle at once. Right. They might, yes. they might get high from that. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. I can drink the whole bottle if I want to, that's between me and my maker. So, yes. okay. Thank you so much. Of course. I am curious um, where A, where can we find you? And then B, if you wouldn't mind, if you happen to have like a table side tradition, you said you're from Italian um, family, I would love for you to share your, I'm all about the pleasures of the table. So A, where do we find Fender's Blue? And B, any table side pleasurable tradition you wish to share? Yeah, I love that. Um, um, and that can be unrelated to the products or, sure, just, anything. or, or how, how I incorporate them. Well, I'll kind of think from a product standpoint, but yeah, thank you so much. So we fendersbluehemp.com is, is where we sell and we ship to most states. There are some Great. states that have uh, banned the um, purchasing or selling into of, of these kinds of products. And so uh, we don't ship there, but I believe Florida is not one of them, uh, meaning we can ship to Florida. Right. Um, so that's that's where you can get them or if you're local to Oregon we're at um a lot of different farmers markets like the Beaverton Farmers Market awesome. which is an amazing market um we try to go to as many as we can in the area some fun foodie events like snack fest or or um other events like crafty wonderland is another great one um but we try to get out and about as much as we can uh, but online, we do some local delivery around here as well. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of a tradition, um, yeah, I mean, olive oil, just pouring it on everything or, um, <laughs> you know, dipping, dipping things into it, just taking shots of it. That's something I, I got from uh, my time at Durant, actually. Uh, and I would just take a little shot when I got to work and then one before I left. and. Um, that definitely became a tradition, but yeah, I would say um, just enjoying trying to think of a specific table side. I think we, um, you know, folks in my world that really value like the quality of, of food and, and, and wine and, and olive oil. I think it's just um, getting together and um, we, a lot of my friends, we like to bring something. I would say maybe that's the tradition. We always, we like to bring something to when we come over for dinner, a new product. And especially now that um, Mackenzie, who I haven't mentioned, who is my life and business partner, um, who works on the business with me. Uh, she's amazing. A big reason for our success. Um, she and I, we've met so many cool people and the world of being makers and, and um, doing farmers markets and other markets. And so we're always looking for new local, um, you know, mindfully made products 
that we can bring and share. And so I think maybe that's the best tradition awesome. I'd like to say is, yeah, bring something that you love to, to someone else. Oh, that, that is you can so share. great. I love it. It's so <laughs> apropos because in the episode prior to this, I talked about how important it is. I, I interviewed farmer Tom Scannell from a um, local Florida farm here called Pine Shine. And we were talking about just the importance of supporting local farms. So that is yeah. like a beautiful tie-in. And I love the idea of like bringing new things to share, right? It's this element of discovery at the table. There's so many reasons to sit at a table and enjoy food. And uh, I, I talk a lot about connection and pleasure and that sort of thing, but you've got a new one for me. That's discovery. So I really yes. appreciate what you're doing. It is so fun to reconnect. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Aaron. It's been fun. Thank you. Oh, it's been a blast. And thank you. And uh, thank you for what you're doing because it's, as you know, I mean, this is preaching to the choir here. Uh, a lot of what is available to, to, for people to eat is uh, not necessarily great for you. And um, what you put in your body matters. So thank you for spreading the spreading the good word. All right. That's a perfect note to end on y'all. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the nourishment mindset podcast. Go to fendersbluehemp.com. Get your kids a relaxing sleep with some of this awesome olive oil. If you haven't bought my book, The Nourishment Mindset, it's on Amazon and it's on my website, favorfat.com. And I compete with Amazon, so I do free shipping and I sign your copy. And you can find me at favorfat.substack.com if you haven't yet subscribed. Many thanks to y'all. Sante, have a nourished week. Bye-bye.